Introducing TBM, the premium AV distributor, bringing the highest quality video and audio to your clients. Here at TBM, we pride ourselves on providing customizable bespoke packages and invite you to join us through the entire process, ensuring a truly personalized experience. Our highly trained, experienced team members will ensure a seamless installation with support always at hand. Your journey to elevated AV integration starts today with DBM. Hello everybody and welcome to The Integrated Home, the podcast that's produced by the Home Integration Community for the Home Integration Community. My name is Jeff Hayward and today we're going to hear all about RP22, a new recommended practice from CEDIA's Senior Director of Technology and Standards, Walt Zerby. Welcome to The Integrated Home. AWE are proud distributors of Sony televisions and home cinema projectors, bringing you the best content from lens to living room. For more information, visit awe-europe.com. Welcome to the show, Walt. Uh, before we begin, do you want to just give us a quick intro into you and your role at Cedia? Yeah, sure. Thank you uh, very much for having me on the podcast. Um, let me see a little about me. Uh, I've been in the industry for over 30 years. I was an integrator. I was a product manager for a long time making audio products. And that whole time, I was a CTA and CDA volunteer, very involved in standards creation, co-founder of the uh, of the R10 Standards Group, which is the reason why we're here today. And on the CEDIA Technology Council, and one thing led to another, and I ended up becoming a CEDIA employee about six years ago, uh, heading up uh, tech and standards for CEDIA. Excellent. Now, big first question, what is RP22 and what is it for? Yeah, good question. So first, I just have to say I'm extremely excited that this day is finally here. We'll get a little bit more into the process in a little bit, but what RP22 is and its name is the Immersive Audio Design Recommended Practice, but they all have a number, so it's RP22 as well. It is a recommended practice and not a standard, and I should briefly describe the difference there. Um, a recommended practice is something that we use as the word should and not the word shall, and a standard uses the word shall. You shall do this the same way every single time, so a great example of shall is uh, doing an RJ45 connector. 568B or 568A. Those wires shall go in that same order every single time. But audio is complicated and rooms are different. So we can't say you should always put this speaker in this spot no matter what, because that might not always be the case. So that's why this is a recommended practice and not a standard. And what this is, is there's a word design in that name, um, the immersive audio design recommended practice. This is about design. It doesn't teach you how to design. It doesn't teach you how to install, but it's guidelines to tell you how you should be designing a space so that you can uh, get a decent performance of audio when it is played back. And what we've done for the first time ever in the world, actually, is create four levels to design to. So level one is the minimum level we believe meets artistic intent. So if you do a level one system, we believe 
that will give the end user some semblance of what the creatives wanted to have happen when they created the movie or the TV show or the sports or whatever you're watching. Level two is a step up from that. Level three meets or exceeds commercial cinema standards. And then level four is cost, no object, sky's the limit, uh, state-of-the-art system. So the goal of RP22 was to create metrics. And that's never existed before. Uh, people used to say, well, I'm going to give you a great cinema, okay, and it's going to cost this much. But if you want to step up, my cinema costs this much. So it was based on price and not based on performance. Plus, if you have one company give you a price and another company give you a price, those two systems may be wildly different. So this takes price out of it and it says, how does it perform? Period. So who wins there is the customer wins because they know what they're going to be delivered. And, you know, you, there's another side to price. That's the complication of the theater, the beautification of the theater, the, you know, the fabrics, the seats, all that stuff. Fine, you can, go, you can go crazy on that end. But what we wanted to do was say, I'm going to deliver you a level one cinema, or I should say room because it's not only about cinema. And what that does is the customer knows what they're getting, the integrator knows what they're designing, and the manufacturer knows their product is going to perform and look good because it wasn't asked to do something that it really wasn't designed to do or in a space it really shouldn't be put in. So that's kind of a summary of what RP22 is. And can you describe the process? How have you got to this point? Yeah, so this has been three years, and most standards and recommended practices take around two to three years. Some take longer, some take shorter. We have over 3,000 volunteer hours into this effort. We do weekly calls for one hour via Zoom, and we have a wide mix of people. So we have integrators, we have acousticians, we have uh, protocol people. Uh, when I say protocol people, like, you know, people from uh, Dolby or DTS, um, we have manufacturers. Uh, oh, we also have calibrators. And we all come together with a very diverse background. And we start out with usually a mind map of what we want this thing to be. And then we work through each section and craft this document. And there's a lot of debate. There's a lot of back and forth. And that's why it takes three years. Um, what are ANSI guidelines and why are they important? Yeah, thank you for bringing that up, Jeff. Um, so ANSI is the American National Standards Institute, and uh, CEDIA is ANSI accredited as a standard development organization, or an SDO. You know our industry is full of that, right? So we have to have three <laughs> letters after something. So we're an SDO, and that is a worldwide recognized thing. And even though the word American is in there, we can still do international work. It's just a matter of, of paperwork. So we can be ISO certified or we can do a lot of different things. So it's just not an American thing. But basically what ANSI says in a nutshell is that we're going to follow strict operating procedures and we're going to have everything fair and non-biased. We're not going to talk about prices and things like that. So we have really good peer conversation it adheres to a process and then it's consensus driven. No one person is running the show. It is all about consensus. If we have a 50-50 split and some people think, no, I think it should be this way, and the other side says, no, I think it should be this way, we take a vote. And then the consensus wins on that particular option. So that's what ANSI guidelines are really about. It's about having a fair and balanced, peer-reviewed process. 
to your development work. Now, typically ANSI guidelines are definitely a must when you do a standard, but we also apply them to everything we do. So we do the ANSI guidelines when we're doing a recommended practice as well. Okay. And I understand that RP22 is both product and format agnostic. That's right. Right. So what's the benefit of that? Why, why is that the case? So everybody makes good products and they get put in spaces. And who are we to say you should use this product in this space? It's really about understanding the products that you're using, talking with your manufacturers. That leads me to another, I know we're talking about RP22, but there are other things we're working on that go hand in hand with RP22. We're working on RP23 right now, which is the immersive video design recommended practice, which is, you know, one of the second leg of that stool. The first leg is the audio leg, which we're releasing at the CD Expo. The second is the video leg. The third, there's actually, think of it as a four-legged stool, if uh, <laughs> three-legged. The fourth is performance facts, which is another very important one we're working on right now. So we can get the right data from a manufacturer on a product so that you can actually design with the product. And that's why we don't care about brands or we don't care about, you know, use this kind of speaker here, but use that kind of speaker there. If you have the data about a product and how the product performs and not marketing data, but proper data. In other words, if you say a speaker weighs 200 pounds, it handles hundred Watts and it goes from 50 Hertz to 20 kilohertz. I have no idea if that speaker is going to play 105 dB in a room with 16 seats of this size. We need more data. So that's another effort that we're working on. But that's also why we don't care about brands. Just give us the data on the speaker or the amplifier, and we can do our design work to see, okay, that will meet my objective of doing a level one room or doing a level two room. Oh, it won't meet my objective of doing a level three room. I need to look for a different product. And that's the whole point. Got it. Got it. So is this what you mean by when you talk about RP22 as being an objective standards-based engineering design approach? Uh, yes, absolutely. We give guidelines. Um, there's a bunch of parameters. There's 21 of them that we have in, the, uh, in RP22 in order to make sure that when you're designing a system, goals will be reached. And I'll give you a, a very simple example. Um, Seat-to-seat variation. So if everything sounds great in the main position where you're sitting, but it sounds terrible two seats over, that's a metric we care about. That might be in an RP22 level one. We're a lot looser on, on how even the distribution needs to be from seat to seat. But in level two, that tightens up. In level three, that tightens up. And in level four, it's really tight. So we have just different parameters and different allowances or variances. And some metrics are even just non-applicable for a level one, because we understand it's not a, a high cost system. It's meant to kind of just, you know, get everything across. So we're just not going to even worry about that one right now. But in the other levels, yeah, we do worry about it. So the four levels, can you just give me what the description title is of each level and, and just a bit more detail about what each one means? Yep. So level one is the minimum to meet artistic intent. That's the level. So what, now that's probably the most controversial level because what we're saying is if you don't meet level one, then we don't believe the system meets anywhere near uh, artistic intent. 
So that's like the make or break line. Now, level one, just to let everyone know, is very achievable. You can do it with bookshelf speakers and an AVR. It doesn't require, you know, lots of high-end gear. But if you try to put those bookshelf speakers in an AVR in a 12-seat room, it's going to fail. So it's about application. You put that AVR and bookshelf speakers in a room that has three seats, you know, a normal size, you know, or smaller room, it could really shine, really excel. So that's to let you know that none of these levels are difficult to achieve. It's about sizing everything properly for each level. Level two is a step up from that. So we tighten things up a bunch and we're getting closer to meeting artistic intent, which is when the people created the movies or the games or the streaming network shows. And we care about all of it. We don't care. It's not just, this is not just movies. And we also take all monikers out of this. We're not saying a room's a media room. We're not saying a room's a cinema or a theater. We don't care what you name the room and we don't care what the use case is. It is, does it produce a good immersive audio field or doesn't it? That's all we care about. So level two would be a step up. And I would venture to say 90% of integrators do level one and level two systems. That's pretty much everybody. Level three is it meets or exceeds commercial cinema standards. That is typically a company that might specialize in doing uh, rooms like this, or they also do level one, level two, and level three work. Those rooms will meet artistic intent. So the content that you're watching will come across as the artists intended it. And level four is a step up above that. Cost no object, you know, insane and and incredible, well beyond what you would experience in a commercial cinema. Just an amazing state-of-the-art performance. I, I guess if you wanted to equate these to cars as well, you could say, you know, level one is a is a Toyota, level two is a Lexus, and then level three, and I don't want to be biased on car brands, but le- level three is a sports car that can carry, you know, people, and level four is is your super high-end exotic car. But, you know, if level four is in a room that holds 12 people, that's going to be a ridiculous system to meet all those characteristics. But level four in a room with one seat not nearly as hard and not nearly as expensive. So really things get a lot more difficult when you get more seats and a room gets bigger. So don't be thinking level four or level three or level two always means it's going to be complicated and expensive. Um, Size does increase budgets and it makes, makes it a lot harder job to do. So it feels to me like you've really thought about the real world applications for this recommended practice. It's not some kind of theory that's going to be difficult for installers to apply. That is correct. Now, integrators may have all the knowledge necessary already to implement RP22. Uh, After they read it, they might find out, oh, you know, they're talking about something here I haven't really thought about. Um, So they may need to get some additional education on this, of which Cedia offers a bunch, as well as HAA, which we're partners with, the Home Acoustics Alliance. So I say that because somebody might say, you know what, I've been doing this stuff for 30 years. I don't need this stinking document. And yes, it's a good idea that you do need to document for two reasons. Number one, we might be talking about something you hadn't considered and you should consider. We might uncover something you had no knowledge of it ever at all that you now need to consider. But the most important thing is the way I started this, this whole conversation 
what you will do is be able to give something tangible to your customer. You'll be able to say, I'm going to deliver you X. And it will, when you sit in your seat, you will experience X. That's never been done before as far as uh, something being written down that you can reference that was done by a bunch of peers, the best in the industry, to say, you know what, everybody? These are the levels. You can design to the levels and everybody wins. So that's, I think, the biggest win of RP22. And that's a huge change. I mean, integrators calculate SPL in a room, but to do it seat by seat is going to be quite something. And there will be guidance available for them on how to do that, won't there? Yeah, there's a there's a, a level for the seat and a level for the room. So you could have a room that has ridiculous performance in the reference seating position. So we've used the term RSP, reference seating position, instead of reference listening position, because that won't work so well when we uh, release RP23, which is the immersive video design, because now that's going to be reference viewing position. So we did reference seating position. So as we move forward, that's a spot, whether it's lighting, whether it's sound, whether it's who knows what. So the seat can have ridiculous performance, but then, you know, physics and the way sound propagates. If you have a customer that just, just absolutely insists, I need the most seats possible in this room. Well, you're not going to get certain levels of performance at the very edge seats, which may knock the whole room rating down, but you still could maybe get amazing performance in the actual seats. And that's one of the parameters I should I should highlight on as another one that makes sense. One of our pet peeves as we were discussing RP22 was um, people putting too many seats in a room and somebody being shoved up against the wall. So if you have you know, two feet between or, you know, less than a, a half a meter between you and the wall, sidewall or back wall, your presentation is going to be incredibly skewed because you're going to be dominated by that speaker on the wall or speaker in the rear that you're next to. That is one of the things that will knock you down in a level. If you put half the amount of seats in the room now, and now you're a meter away from the wall, or maybe you're in a meter and a half away from the wall, now you have more immersion because you're not being dominated by that one speaker. That's exactly the kind of common practical sense that is in this recommended practice. And what do you think the impact will be of RP22? Ha. Well, I'm hoping it'll be huge. <laughs> uh, it's going to be controversial, especially level one. It's going to be controversial for those that say, I've been doing this for 30 years. I don't need this thing. But what's happening is manufacturers are supporting it. Um, uh, CD is going to be educating to it. We're going to be wrapping a lot of stuff around this um, that I can't really talk about yet. But there, this has a, a very large entire life cycle that we're trying to elevate our industry to be uh, more professional and to be more calculated and to deliver tangible results. So you're just going to hear a lot about this in everything. And the manufacturer support to me is also a really huge one. Because the last thing they want is for somebody to, to misuse a product in a cinema and then the end user says, yeah, I have this brand receiver and these brand speakers, but you know what? It's awful. I don't like it. And it could have been awful and they don't like it because it was a wrong product choice for that particular system. So they're going to be pushing this as well. And it seems to me that consumers are going to have understanding of this because installers, integrators are going to be trained to present you're getting a level one level two level three level four room so consumers are going to look into it and understand what they're getting 
Yeah, hopefully. I mean, we need to have the messaging that is zero technical to the consumer that just says, we've got four levels you can pick from. And I think the message is, is pretty nice or easy to, to get on the consumer end. The first thing you tell a consumer is, you know, when people create all this content, they do it on purpose to have you experience something. And my goal is when you sit in this room is to have you experience this thing the best that I can. Now, given there's different levels that you can experience this. Level one would be the bare bones. Level two would be a step up. Level three would be just like you'd get in the in the commercial theater or better. And level four is, is sky's the limit. Which level would you like to have? And then budget comes into that conversation, of course. Um, if someone's a really experiential person, they'll, they'll be like, oh, yeah, I want it to sound just like it sounds in the movie theaters. Great. We can do that for you. So I think that message is very easy to get across. They should never talk any technical stuff or any of these parameters things. It'll just go over the, the end user's head. So there is a great, easy message here. And where can integrators go to find out more about RP22? Information will be available on cedia.net for how you can download uh, the recommended practice. If you happen to be going to the Cedia Expo, there will be QR codes around that you can flash your phone at that will take you directly to that exact web page. And then at ISE, we will also be um, talking about this, having sessions on this. We do have a session that is sold out at the Cedia Expo on implementing this recommended practice where they actually go through some exercises. And that is a Peter A. Lett and Adam Pels and Ben Goff will be doing that. Those are three of the principles that, that were on the work group for this recommended practice. And presumably you mentioned ISE, similar education will be available at ISE too? Yep, absolutely. Cool, cool, excellent. And who would you say the training will suit? I mean, you need to have some basic understanding of cinema design, right, before you do it? So if this is all brand new to somebody and they're like, you know what, this sounds really interesting, but I haven't really done this or I've dabbled in it then I would say that you should get involved in CD education to learn your fundamentals. We have an IST and a CIT course that is also a certification where you learn a bunch of your fundamentals. And when I say fundamentals, you know, like how sound works and how decibels work and, and things like that. Um, then we do have more advanced training and there's also HAA, which is a great thing to do. The Home Acoustics Alliance that we're partnered with which is an actual three or four day physical class that teaches you. They, they focus a lot on how bass works in a room and room modes. And hey, if you move the subwoofer here, look what happened. How could I predict where to put my subwoofer so I have even bass distribution across all these seats? So you physically do it and you measure it, which is really interesting. So if you're someone that's somewhat experienced, then just read it and read a recommended practice and be like, okay, yeah, yeah, this makes sense. This makes sense. You might know all of it and you might be able to implement all of it, or you might read a section. You're like, oh, hmm, this is an interesting one. Um, like one of the things we talk about is making sure, which I think is of quite common practice, not to overtreat your room. So the room ends up being really dead and not lively. And there are real cons to overtreatment. So yeah, you might find out you need to maybe brush up on acoustics or, uh, you know, diffusion or, or absorption. Or if you say, you know what, I want to be a level three, level four guy. I want to make a super high-end business on this. 
maybe you need to partner with some other people in our trades, which would be companies that provide uh, acoustic services and or people that provide measurement and design services. Excellent. Well, thanks so much, Walt. Is there anything we've missed, anything you'd like to get out there about the the new RP22? Um, I, I would just say download it, everybody. Please have a look at it. It's it's a really great piece of work. It's 140-odd-some pages. It's got a lot of reference information in it. Uh, we have a reference, a lot of other things uh, to get more information, like Floyd Tool's book and all kinds of papers and things. So it's a really good one-stop document to that really just tries to grapple. And again, this is a revision, I should say. This isn't brand new. It used to be called CEB22, and it was a home theater audio recommended practice. That was before immersive audio existed. So that's why we well, that's why we revised it, because when we did the previous one, people were dabbling and talking about immersive audio, but it wasn't a thing yet. So now that it's a thing, we're doing it. And the one thing that you won't find in it on purpose is anything specifically to deal with very large uh, direct view displays, like a video wall. When we completed this document, everyone's working on this right now, whether we beam steer audio for the center channel, whether we reflect audio off the screen for the center channel, whether we do a top and bottom speaker and try to merge them for a center channel, the jury's out on this right now. So um, this is a living, breathing document. This is not done. So as developments happen in our industry, we will open the document for revision and we'll revise it. So we will be revising this to for recommendations on how to deal with large direct view screens when that stuff's kind of settled and, and we can begin uh, getting experience and talking about it. Brilliant. Well, look, thanks, Walt. Thanks so much for joining us today. I think that's fascinating. Personally, I think it's a game changer for the industry. So really looking forward to it having a, a decisive impact and upping that professional standard. Oh, thank you, Jeff. And thank, thanks for focusing on it and giving me the time to talk about it. Um, obviously, in a nerd way, extremely excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> cool. That's fine. Good to be a nerd. Excellent. The Integrated Home is on Instagram at IntHomePod and on LinkedIn at The Integrated Home Podcast. It's brought to you with the support of AWE, Sony, and distributed by Meridian. We support Together for Cinema. And we are a Wildwood Plus production. Thank you for listening. The Integrated Home supports Together for Cinema. Together for Cinema is an AV industry movement that designs and installs cinema rooms in children's hospices across the UK. In these special places, children, their families, staff and volunteers are now enjoying fantastic movie experiences together. We want to build more rooms in more hospices for more children. To do that, we need your help. Visit togetherforcinema.co.uk and find out how you can be involved to help make short lives that little bit better.